come and share the word. I've got a mic. Fantastic. The king has risen. How good is that? Awesome. Happy Easter. It's so good to have everyone in the house this morning. Welcome to our first-time visitors as well. Put your hands together for our first-time visitors. Uh, welcome to those that are joining us online. I know we've got a few of our uh, congregation members that are not well, so uh, we're praying for you, but we're glad for technology. I know there's negatives and, you know, we have our different thoughts, but uh, we're glad you could join us this morning. Uh, as uh, Pastor Jacob said, we're doing a series, Fully Alive, The Easter Story, and uh, today's part three. Now, if you've missed any of our previous uh, messages, you can jump on our website and you can catch up. So you can have a listen, you can listen to us, you can watch us, and you can catch up. Um, so that is fantastic. Again, praise God for technology. Um, on Good Friday, we just had our service, Good Friday, beautiful service, one-hour service. If you missed it, you missed it. Uh, but we remembered the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, where he was whipped, tortured, insulted, mocked, uh, and nailed to a cross where he took on the sins of the world. And I love what Pastor Chin just shared, where he became our sin. What a revelation. He became, he never sinned, but he became sin. Why? For you and for me. For you and for me. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. By his wounds you have been healed. If you heard that in your lounge room this morning, not feeling well, by his wounds you have been healed in Jesus' name. And he did all of this. Why? To bring us back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. To bring us back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, I don't know about you and what your relationship was like with your earthly father or what it was like. For me, it was kind of rocky. My parents separated when I was 12 years old, just starting high school, and, uh, and later went through a messy divorce. And uh, this separation uh, caused a rift within my relationship, a separation between my dad and I. And it created a void. It created a void within my life in my teenage years and my early adulthood. And perhaps you've had the same experience. Uh, or maybe it's not been with your dad. Maybe it's been with some other family member. Uh, maybe it's not occurred due to divorce, maybe it's uh, some type of family conflict, maybe it's been because of uh, physical uh, distance, uh, maybe it's been because of a death of a loved one or some other type of issue, but it's created a void within your life, it's created a separation, something has occurred within a significant relationship within your life. And it's created an impact upon you, whether you choose to admit it or not. Sometimes we go on in life and we think, not a big deal. But it comes out and it's a big deal. Now, understanding this experience in the natural, I want to take it further into the supernatural. Where we have all been born with an even greater void within our lives. We've all been born separated from God because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And because of this, we all live with a God-shaped hole within our hearts that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. 
can only be filled with Jesus Christ, yet we try to fill it with other things. Before we make a commitment to Jesus, we try to fill it with other things in our lifetime. And even after we make a commitment to Jesus, we continue to try to fill it with other things. Even after we make a commitment to Jesus Christ, relationships, success, drugs, alcohol, porn, and the list goes on. However, these things never suffice. Never suffice. They never make us fully alive. Yet God in his goodness, and he's so good, so, so good. I wouldn't be standing here today before you if he wasn't good. Let me tell you, God in his graciousness, so, so gracious. Again, I wouldn't be standing here right now before you if he wasn't so gracious. Never wanted to give up on us. And because he loved us and because he wanted to be in relationship with us, because he wanted to be in relationship with you, you personally, and because he still had a plan and a purpose for us, because he still had a plan and a purpose for you, you personally, he created the Easter story. The Easter story. His great plan for us. And we see it unfold over this Easter weekend as we remember the events that occurred thousands of years ago. How awesome is that? And so somehow it interacts with our lives today, somehow. And we're going to take a look at that this morning. So we pick up the story in the Bible because it's good to turn to your Bible when you're in church. But even when you're not in church, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, everyday church, yeah? Amen? Yeah? Yes? Okay. So Jesus has been crucified. He's been dead a few days and he's been placed in a tomb. Luke chapter 24, verse one, I think, on the first day of the week. Is it behind me? On the first day of the week, yeah? Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. You know, Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away to get out. He could have walked through that, right? It was so that the women could come in. Side note. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning. Imagine that. Gleamed like lightning stood before them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. We can do better than that. Well, that was one clap, two claps, three claps, four claps. Hallelujah. Remember how he told you why he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The angels asked. Jesus had had risen. He was now fully alive. He was no longer dead. The tomb was empty. These women were looking around in an empty tomb, looking for Jesus in an empty tomb, looking for new life in an empty tomb. They're not going to find 
what they're looking for in an empty tomb. They were looking in the natural. Looking in the natural. And I believe at times we do the same. We look for new life in empty tombs. Doors that have been closed that we're trying to kick open. Kick open. And if you're stubborn like me, you just keep kicking till you break your foot. Or stubborn like Jacob. Again, I've got the mic. I love it. Relationships that have been done with that we're trying to resurrect. Looking to the past when God's trying to do a new thing. Looking behind when he wants us to look up ahead. We're looking for new life in empty tombs. Holding on to mistakes when God has forgiven us. Insisting we're not good enough when God says we are. But no, not me, Lord. God's saying, yes, you. No, but I can't, not me. Yes, you. Letting go of what is known for the unknown. Looking for new life in empty tombs. Pecking about like chickens when God has called us to soar like eagles. Why do you look for the living among the dead? God says, some of us are trying to live our resurrected lives in empty tombs. God is calling us to let go. And I'm preaching to myself here, don't worry. God is calling us to let go. Let go. Let go. Jesus is now fully alive. He is not here. He is risen. Amen. We read on. Verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Don't you love Peter? Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. I want to draw our attention this morning for a moment to uh, the strips of linen that were lying by themselves on the floor. These are the grave clothes that Jesus was wrapped in when he was placed in the tomb. And I want to jump back to Lazarus for a moment. Now, Lazarus was a man who Jesus had raised from the dead before his own crucifixion. Lazarus had been dead four days and everyone was overcome with grief. His sisters, Mary and Martha, were beside themselves. Uh, His family, his friends were just uh, also overcome with grief. And even Jesus Christ himself was just, um, that was his friend. He was The the Bible says that Jesus wept. And Jesus said to Martha in John chapter 11, verse 25, he said this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, this is what we call eternal life. When we put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. So essentially, we never die. 
However, we must put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. So after Jesus explained this to Martha and they were surrounded by their loved ones and other believers and others, he asked that the stone be rolled away from the tomb of Lazarus and he said in John chapter 11 verse 43, he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He probably said it louder than that. Shall I? Lazarus, come out. It was probably louder. The dead man came out. Think about that for a moment. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, who's them, the people that were there, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So we have two people being raised from the dead. One was Jesus and one was Lazarus. And in Jesus' resurrection, the strips of linen were lying on the floor by themselves, right? Because we just read that. In Lazarus' resurrection, he came out of the grave still wrapped in strips of linen, wasn't he? His hands and feet were tied, I don't know, but he perhaps jumped maybe. I don't know how he actually came out. But anyway, his hands and feet still tied. And Jesus said to those that were standing around watching this miracle take place before their very eyes, he said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lazarus needed the help of those around him to untie him, to release him, to set him free. My point is this. Yes, the power of God raised him from the dead. We're talking about Lazarus. Yes, the power of God raised him from the dead, but it was those around him, the community, his friends, his family, those that believed, those that loved him, that come alongside him to help set him free. He needed untying. He needed unravelling. Jesus said, come help. Take off his grave clothes and set him free. Let him go. Release him. You know, God has set me free from drug and alcohol addiction over 20 years ago. And though I've not been physically dead, though I've come close, I can tell you that. I know what it's like to be spiritually dead. Dead inside, empty inside, lost inside, confused, searching, wondering like there's something missing deep within my soul. There's got to be something more to life than this. Surely there's more to life than this. This can't be it. Something is seriously wrong if this is it. There has to be more. There has to be. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be bound by grave clothes. I know what it's like to be trapped and restricted and and needing to be set free. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be in a big black hole and needing to get out but not knowing how to get out by myself. I know what that's like. Though not physically dead like Lazarus, I know what it's like to be spiritually dead, needing a miracle within my life. And the way I got free was, yes, by the power of Jesus Christ that is alive and active today, but it was through community. It was through other people. It was through process. It was through people coming alongside me. It was through other believers. It was through family. It was through people coming alongside me. It was through unity. 
You know, we need both God and his family. We need both God and community. We need both God and his people to walk in the fullness that he died to give us. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, and what does that mean? Does that mean the pastor? Does that mean the preacher? No way. That means every single one of us that is a believer because we are all righteous in him. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We have the spirit of God living inside of us. If you're a believer, if you're not, we'll give you an opportunity just shortly. It'll be the best decision of your life. I'll tell you that much. But if you are a believer, you have the power of God living inside of you, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The power, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And sometimes God can perform a miracle in a moment and we can be instantly delivered and our linen strips are lying on the floor by themselves. Gosh, I wish that was me and I didn't have to go through four years of rehabilitation. (laughs) Praise Jesus. Why, God, did you do it for the next person and not me? And other times it's a process and it takes time for the grave clothes to be unraveled. It takes time. And we have to allow ourselves and allow others to come into our lives and walk alongside us and, and walk with us and minister to us and help us and let them inside. Allow those walls to come down and be real and transparent and say, yeah, hey, this is what's happening. Can you help me? I want to be free. This is who I really am and this is what I'm really struggling with. Can you help me? Can you help me? You know, one of the best, the devil's uh, best tactics is isolation. If he can isolate you, he's got you. Another one is busyness. If he can keep you busy and away from people that you need to be around, he's got you. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Standing firm. Sometimes when you're done all, you just stand. Lord, what do you want me to do? Just stand. But God, what do you want me to do? Just stand. But God, what, what's... Just stand. That's me. <laughs> Might not be you. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. God calls us to connect not only to him but with his people. And so we read on. After Jesus has been risen from the dead, his disciples are struggling to believe. And he spent so much time with them and he told them exactly what's going to happen. But we can't judge them because, you know, who are we to judge, right? I mean, yeah. So we read earlier, we read earlier in Luke chapter 24 verse 11, it says this, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I think that's funny that that's in the Bible. And you know what? Not much has changed today, really. 
has it, if you think about it. A lot of people hear the gospel and they think it's nonsense. They do. They think it's nonsense. They think it's nonsense. And, and a lot of the times, words, when it's just words, it actually does, can sound like nonsense. And the reason why is people actually need an encounter with the living God. They need, they need their own encounter and their own experience with the love of Jesus Christ. We can do what we can, but that person needs to surrender their own life to Jesus Christ themselves. You can't make the decision for them. And so sometimes words are just words, and that's why it sounded like nonsense, because people need an encounter themselves for the living God. And then you can't deny it. You cannot deny it. Nobody can deny the experience I've had with Jesus Christ. I don't care what you say to me. I know what God has done in my life and no one could ever take that away from me, ever. Because I know I've had an encounter with the living God. Amen? And so Jesus, because he's so gracious again and he's so kind and he never gives up on us and he continues to go after us, uh, his love is reckless and, and, uh, and, and he completely loves us, he, he appears to the disciples at a dinner. They're always eating these disciples. That's my excuse. The disciples ate. Why can't we? Uh, and so he appears to them. And so now they are convinced that, uh, that Jesus has indeed been risen from the dead and is fully alive. So now they're convinced, except one guy wasn't there. And his name was Thomas. And, uh, and so uh, Thomas is still struggling to believe. He's struggling to believe. And so he wasn't at this dinner, unfortunately. Um, and this is uh, what we read about Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 25. It says this. So the other disciples told him, so they're talking to Thomas. They're like, we have seen the Lord. Like, you know, words again. You know, words. We've seen him. But he said to them, unless I see. I mean, no, Thomas has got to be a little bit stubborn. I mean... He's looking for cold, hard evidence, right? Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And through, though the doors were locked, Jesus came. I think he just come through the wall or something. Or through the door, he just appeared. Because he doesn't need doors or walls, does he? He just appears. And he stood among them and said, peace be with you, like we just did at communion. Then he said to Thomas, and because he's so gracious and he's so kind and he meets us where at where we're at. And that's the awesome thing about God. He meets us where we are at. The Bible says you just need faith as small as a mustard seed. You can bag Thomas out. You can judge him. Faith as small as a mustard seed. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if there's any area in your life where you perhaps are doubting yourself, doubting what God says he will do, Maybe God's made you a promise and you're thinking, I can't see it. In fact, I seem to be getting further away from the promise. God, I thought you said this, yet here I am over here. What's with that? If you're doubting 
in that area, if you're doubting your future, if you're doubting your dreams, if you're doubting that God will take care of your family, if you're doubting that God's going to take care of your finances, if you're doubting that there is even a God, if you're sitting here right now and thinking, I don't even know if I believe in this God of yours. You've had an encounter that's good for you, but what about me? God's never touched my life. I don't even know what you're talking about. Perhaps you're sitting here right now and you're doubting. You're doubting. You're doubting that he can perform that miracle in your life. You're chasing a miracle. You're praying. You're crying out to God. And he's not meeting that need. And you're beginning to doubt. I want to say to you this morning, the same thing that Jesus said to Thomas is stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. You only need faith as small as a mustard seed. God can come into your life and perform a miracle and move powerfully. And all you have to do is like, okay, God, I surrender. I know that you can do that. I'm sorry for thinking otherwise. I give it over to you again. I release it to you. You know, if God can raise Jesus and Lazarus from the dead, he can perform a miracle in your life. Romans 8, 11 says this, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. We just spoke about that earlier. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you. If you're a believer, think about that for a moment. That is powerful. That is powerful. Do not disqualify yourself. And if you're not a believer, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. We'll never forget that moment ever. The Easter story is all about Jesus, yes. And, uh, and a lot of us stop and our focus goes to Jesus. It goes to the cross and so it should. All our focus should go to Jesus. It should go to the cross and we should look to him. All our focus should be there. But do you know what? There would be no Easter story if it wasn't for you. The Easter story actually is about you. It includes you. It is about you and it is for you. You personally... And don't disqualify yourself. You personally are the reason why there is an Easter story. If it wasn't for you, then there would be no Easter story. It's about you personally. And so God asks that we turn from our sin. It's called repentance. And it's his kindness that draws us. You know, he's not up there with a big stick. It's his kindness that draws us. And simply believe. Stop doubting and believe. And this Easter, he wants you to completely surrender. You know, I started off this message talking about my dad. And, um, and I'm happy to say that after those rocky uh, teenage years and into early adulthood and I went on my way into my, you know, whatever you want to call it, years of rebellion and being nearly dead and running amok and all of that. But God really restored our relationship and brought reconciliation and and, uh, and, 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 and it was amazing. Like he, he, he really healed that, that relationship. But my dad struggled with my relationship with Jesus. 
because he didn't understand it. It, it. The encounter that I had with this living God, my dad didn't get it. So basically he was happy that I was set free from drugs and alcohol and he was happy that I was now living a healthy life but he was a little bit concerned about my new relationship with Jesus Christ. He was concerned, he thought somehow he needed to save me from God. It's a little bit funny, isn't it? But he was a smart guy, he ran his own business. He, he just didn't get it, he didn't understand it. And, uh, and we kind of... He, he tried to, or he encouraged me, he tried to encourage me away from the things of God. And not that he was a bad man, he just didn't get it. And so, of course, I tried to encourage him the other way. <laughs> and uh, so I invited him to church, you know, over the years at different times. And he said, look, I don't do church, I only go to church for weddings and funerals. And I thought that was pretty funny. And, and, uh, and so I, I, you know, I shared Jesus with him when I could and I saw God move in his life and bring different Christians across his path and, and, uh, and, uh, and I'd pray for him and all of that. But you know what? In this lifetime, in this lifetime, I'm not sure what commitment he made. I'm really not sure what commitment he made. And, and he left this earth quite suddenly. He left this earth quite suddenly. We didn't know his time was up. He, he didn't know his time was up. We didn't get to say goodbye and he was gone. And my hope and my prayer is that he, in that moment, cried out to God, that he made some sort of commitment, that he made peace with God somewhere in that moment. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is a gracious God. He's a patient God. But when our time is up, our time is up. And my dad's time ran out. But I'm hoping and I'm praying. I don't know what goes on in people's private prayers and in certain moments, and who knows, over his years. And my prayer and hope is that if you've not accepted eternal life, if you're sitting here today or you're online listening, if you've not accepted eternal life and begun that journey with God, that today is your day, that you begin that journey with God today, that you enter into that personal relationship with Jesus Christ today. Jesus came back for you. God didn't want to keep that separation. He didn't want to keep that void, that separation, that void. He wanted to, he had to send his son Jesus to make it right because of Adam and Eve. He had to send his son Jesus and he came to bring us back into relationship with our heavenly father to make it right, to fill that void, that emptiness inside, to bring new life. He wants to be in relationship and he wants to be connected with us. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's a simple prayer, just turning from your sins and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to give uh, you, if you're here this morning and you've not done that, an opportunity right now. We're just going to all close our eyes and bow our heads and we're going to pray all together. And if you'd like to pray that prayer, or perhaps you've prayed it a very long time ago and you'd like to make a recommitment this morning, 
We're going to pray that prayer all together and just believe it with all your heart as you speak those words out of your mouth. If you're joining us online um, and you'd like to do that, just really believe it from where you're sitting right now. Church, if you'd follow and whoever else wants to pray that after me. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I ask that you forgive my sins. Wash me clean. Today I choose to make you my Lord and Saviour and live for you for the rest of my life. I thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Just with our heads bowed, if our heads can continue to be bowed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning or if you prayed that as a recommitment this morning, if you just want to lift your hand up in the air just so I can see it, I'd love to um, pray with you. I've got some resources uh, for you. If there's anyone here, if you just lift your hand up if you prayed it for the very first time this morning. If there's anyone online as well, If you reach out to us in the comments or direct message, we'll make sure we reach out to you. Just a couple of more moments. If there's anyone sitting here, if you prayed that for the very first time, if you just slip your hand up in the air. Fantastic. All right, I'm just going to pray for all of us right now. God, I just thank you for every single person in this place, Lord God. We thank you for your word this morning, Lord God. We thank you for your presence in our lives, Lord. We thank you that you came to set us free, to give us victory, to forgive our sins. We thank you for your shed blood. We thank you for healing. We thank you for restoration. We thank you for reconciliation. We just ask that you continue to minister to us as we go throughout the week. And I just pray for anyone that did pray that prayer that you continue to minister to them, Father God. We just pray for continued uh, surrender, Father God, in the hearts of your people, Lord. Have your way, Lord God. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, I'd love to um, just change things up a little bit if that's all right. And that last song, that fourth song, if we could sing that song, if that's okay. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I think it was okay.